Hello, and welcome to On the Nose, the Jewish Currents podcast. I'm Alex Kane, your host today, and I'm the senior reporter at Jewish Currents. In May 2022, Israel's Supreme Court rejected a petition against the displacement of more than 1,000 Palestinians who live in the area of Masafar Yatta in the occupied West Bank. Masafar Yatta is a region Israel has designated as a military firing zone. And this ruling gave Israel's army the legal green light to move forward with their plans to forcibly displace the residents there. Masafar Yatta is also a frequent target of Israeli settler violence. One of the most dogged journalists and activists documenting the plight of this rural part of the West Bank is Basil Adra, a Palestinian from the Masafar Yatta village of Al-Tuwani. Basil is in New York for a visit, and I'm so delighted to have him on to this episode of On the Nose. Welcome, Basel. Thank you, Alex. So I want to start by just introducing listeners to Masafar Yatta and yourself. So could you tell us, you know, where is Masafar Yatta, who lives there, and about your life there? Hi, everyone. Masafar Yatta is a Palestinian town located in the southern occupied West Bank in Palestine. We are 20 small communities, mostly farmers, living there decades and decades, mostly having sheep, goats, and farming our land, agriculturing, until the 80s, when the Israeli state started building settlements in our town by confiscating or stealing our land under pretext that the law is allowing them to do this. What's your day-to-day life like in Masafar Yatta? Like, what exactly are you doing to resist these Israeli plans on your land? So I grew up for two parents who really start the activism in my community, rejecting the occupation. And the thing that they succeed and manage to do in my community, for example, they built our school, the school that, where I was educated. My father and my mother were not educated because there was no schools and they were not allowed to build any school. So 1998, the people of my village start building the school and they have the Israeli army invading the village and threatening to confiscate the tools and arrest them. My mother like were there and she's proud to tell this story to us that she led the women and the kids doing simple work and protecting the equipment and the tools. Uh, while men come to work at night and the women at the same time at night go in the hills watching the roads if the army come to invade they would call the men of the the villages and they like can escape from any risk to be arrested this continued until 20 days until they built like three rooms to be the first school in Masafariyata and they kept improve it until 2014 and that was the year that I finished my school so me personally I got all my education in my village and I'm proud of what my parents did as well in each event each protest that my parents go I go with them I remember in 2005 I was nine years old I went with my parents to protest in front of Israeli police station against the settlers who poisoned our sheep. They poisoned the fields and they poisoned the water wells. Living in, in a home of activism really make, make me what I am doing today as well. I learned how to speak English and how to use a camera to document what's going on there. I feel the responsibility today uh, with these skills that my parents doesn't have is to 
transfer the story and to document and film to show the truth what's happening in Masafriyata, what's really happening on the ground. It is important for me because I believe all these people around the world, if they would know the truth, what's really going on, if the Americans would really see the truth, where their money is going, their money is going to the army that come to Masafriyata to do what? To destroy a school? confiscating bathrooms, demolishing sheep shelters, demolishing houses. I am very sure when it goes to the majority of the Americans that they will realize that their money is going to these actions. They would reject and they would not stay silent. So this is, this is my hope to document these things and to show it to the world. So you're, you're here in New York and we were talking before. It's your, it's your first time in the U.S. What are you doing in New York and, and in the U.S.? It is part of the advocacy work that I always wish to do, to teach them about what's happening, to bring the story in front of them, that this is what's happening to us in Masafriyata. Masafriyata is under threat of serious displacement at any moment by the Israeli military. And what I'm working on with other friends and colleagues in different places is really to prevent this from to happen. I wish that the countries and administrations like the US and the EU would stop from just condemnations. Condemnations, it's a good thing, but it's not helping. Uh, US should really stop sending their billions of dollars to the Israelis to destroy our schools and homes and prevent us from living normally in, in, in our life. All what we fight for is really to, to have clean water, good electricity, normal home, a school, a road, like to live as a human beings on our land. I'm here to really trying to transfer this message and people should realize this and should talk to their representatives and the government should look where is their money and taxes that they're paying is going and what is happening with this money. It's really damaging our life day after day. I imagine the village has gone to the army and said, can you let us get hooked up to electricity? Like, What's that like? So as Palestinian citizens, it's like we carry Palestinian ID, but in the same time, we are under the Israeli military occupation law. So whatever law they want, they just oppose it on us. While the settlers living hundreds of meters away from my home, for example, living under the Israeli civil law, and they are Israeli civilians, where they voting, uh, where they move freely, we don't have that. We can't build anything without getting permission. And always we are wasting our time. Always it is rejected. And this is not happening just in Masafriyata. This is happening in all Area C, which is 60% from the West Bank. They are rejecting just to legitimize the displacement that they are doing to us. Like they, they don't want to just come and displace us. They want to tell that we are doing something illegally. That is, we are building a school illegally. We are building the home illegally. We are connecting the water illegally. They will tell us that this is your land, but you can't build there. And how you can live without having home, electricity, and this like life uh, requirements. So they are displacing us by using the law and carrying out a demolition process every week. Most months of the year, each week I stand next to a new family where I see the mother and the children running from a school or just standing beside their mother and crying there while a bulldozer destroying their home. It's really heartbreaking. I know families very closely that since 2018, they lost their home five times. So their life literally become to rebuild the home, not to go to work, not to live a normal life. 
So this is how they are legitimizing by making a designation that this area is a firing zone, this land is a state land, you are building this home without getting a permission, but I, I'm, I'm applying to you. I'm paying thousands of shekels, which is really big amount of money for each request to get permission. And people are just, they're farmers. It's not like they're wealthy. Yeah, they're farmers. And from the other side, settlers come and take the land very easily. The state providing everything for the settlers to come and build homes and farms. Like today, you just cannot compare a village in Masafariyata with the Israeli settlement. If you go nearby Palestinian community, you will see like how dark it is. People can't find water. And if they dig water well, they would immediately send a bulldozer with a, like a convey of Israeli military to dig this well and to fill it with stones and soil to prevent Palestinians from using it and not to have water. While we see how easy the settlers getting all of these things. So living in this day after day and for like decades under these conditions, it's really horrifying and you make us really tired. The army is coming to destroy water wells or schools or homes. What, what, what's the goal? It's easily like to make our life miserable as much as, as they can so they w- we would leave this land and take it for the settlers. And it's through like different policies, not just demolitions, but also night invasions by the Israeli military to our homes. They invaded, for example, my home last year at least seven times. Sometimes door throw like stun grenade, like everyone wake up. This is like to terrifying us, trying to stop us from filming, from going to the field, filming what they are doing and writing on social media and writing to the journalists about what's happening in Masafariyata. And other policies like they are using the settlers like physical violence against us. This is happening almost every day. Settlers harassed and settlers pogroms and settlers lynch. It's really going on all the time there. And it is not a group of settlers that just like come and want to do like physical violence toward Palestinians. It's really something invested by the state of Israel against us. It's like another pressure to make us also feel fear that we don't have protection. You mentioned the settler attacks earlier and you said that they poisoned livestock. What does that mean? So it was like in 2005 where they brought a seeds, they fill it with poison and they put it like on the fields where Palestinians go to graze their animal. And when the Palestinian sheep come in the morning, they ate this point and dozens of, of the sheep died. It was forbidden for the settlers to be in this fields as it is Palestinian property even according to the military occupation law, that they can't take this land. So they would allow the settlers to commit the physical violence against the shepherds, against the the farmers, so they would be afraid to come to this land. And after some years, they would claim that Palestinians are not using this land, so they don't deserve it, and the state will take this land and give it to the settlers. When you're out there reporting and documenting, how do the army and the settlers interact with you? What kind of obstruction do you face? I face many attacks personally by the Israeli settlers and Israeli army. So I will tell you about September 2021 when there was a Jewish holiday, Sukkot holiday at that time, where settlers from two outposts, over 60 settlers, armed with sticks and arms and pepper spray, knives, everything, like they came down to a community of Mufagara. So I ran there with, with my camera and I saw the settlers literally running from home to another, smashing the windows, 
cutting the water pipes, damaging like everything they could, the tractors, the solar panels that would provide like electricity to these houses, attacking the people with the stones and sticks. The soldiers were there shooting tear gas and stun grenades toward the Palestinians who try to defend themselves. I saw families running to the valleys, running away from their home. The settlers chased me at that moment. There was like 15 of them with the sticks and stones, like start to chase me because they saw that I'm filming. But I managed to run away from, from them and to escape. When I was walking back to the village, I saw a fire started in a firewood next to one of the houses. And that fire started because a soldier shot tear gas to this wood. One of them had a GoPro, like a small camera in his chest and told me, you started the fire. I was telling him, you started the fire. So after that, the video that I filmed of the settlers attack were everywhere. I got a lot of attention internationally and it made them annoyed by me. So a week after this pogrom, I saw this clip of a soldier, of a commander actually, telling me that I started this fire in Israeli mainstream media. And they led the campaign against me that a Palestinian started a fire in a Palestinian home to claim that the Jews did this fire. So after it was like on the TV and on Twitter, also on Israeli right-wing websites, they wrote about me and against me and against my family and led really a campaign. I received also like individual messages of threats and insults, but then also on the field, everywhere I go, my face is known for them and there's like an anger towards me from the soldiers and the settlers and always they push me back and try to prevent me from filming. Until last year, May 2022, after the decision about Masafir Yatta, I got another call from our neighbor. He was building a shelter and four masked soldiers come to take down this shelter. Even according to the occupation law, it's illegally for them to do it. They come just like before, before the night, masked and start to push him and his kids away. I went there to film that. And immediately the, these soldiers put me on the, on the ground very violently, tried to arrest me, beating me and grabbing me on the stones and the soil. They hurt my legs and my body like they were kicking me on my neck for 40 minutes. Almost all the activists, all the Palestinians there on the ground face the same things. Has anything changed since the Supreme Court ruling giving the army the green light to displace you and, and your family and, and the other people, have you noticed a change? So yeah, a lot of change happened since last year until today. Mostly the attacks became more and more. Demolitions also as well. More than 50 Palestinian homes and property were demolished. And one of them, it's a school that was demolished last February. One day, like a normal day where the students were like studying at their classrooms, uh, a convey of soldiers, they make a wall around the school and another group of soldiers ran to the classrooms and they shut down the doors. They kept the kids inside and they start pushing us as a journalists and parents away and they used like stun grenades against us. I saw the kids like opening the windows of their classrooms and jumping from the windows. Some of them took their bags, some of them not, and they were really crying. The soldiers chased them like to make them like to go away from the school. 
After that, they steal their tables and chairs, books, everything that, that was inside the classes. They take it, they put inside the army like cars, and they brought in a bulldozer that demolished a school in a few minutes. Like if you would watch a clip of a demolition, you would see how easy to demolish this. But if you ask the people in Masafariyata how hard to build this like home or school, and the materials, the time, the suffering to transfer this building material there, you would understand how hard it is. And actually the bulldozer that demolished this specific school was driven and owned by a settler that lived illegally in an outpost near our communities. Living illegally even according to the Israeli military law, but they never do demolitions against these settlements. And him personally does attacks with other settlers against our communities. And instead of being in a jail and in a court, they bring him to demolish and destroy like the school and the homes in Masafariyata. As well, they did two months of military exercises where they used tanks, set up checkpoints with the, with the tanks. They prevented the school students and the school teachers to go to their schools. They confiscated the teachers' cars. They set up targets for the soldiers, like on the roads where the Palestinians move, and they shot at these targets. The Israeli soldiers set up metal gates at the entrance of these communities, and the caravans and the soldiers staying there 24 hours. No one is allowed to enter except the residents of these communities. The residents, a lot of time, they spend seven to eight hours waiting at the checkpoint, being researched, and the soldiers want to make sure if they are living there, they're not living there, just to waste the people's time each time they want to go in and out from their community. As well, they confiscated tens of the cars from the residents, and lawyers and activists and journalists' cars were confiscated under pretext of, like, this is a firing zone. They want to, to separate the people who is really targeted by this decision from the other world and to really put more and more attacks on them. I want to tell you that the truth it is, when Masafriyata were designated as a firing zone, it was designated by Ariel Sharon. He wrote in his secret documents that this will be to hold the land for the Israeli settlements. This was written about it in 972 magazine. Yes, so this is the truth. Plus, the human rights law prevent any country to designate the communities as a firing zone and to do military exercises above Palestinian communities. And the other thing, 20% of the West Bank they designated as a firing zone, not just Masafariyata. And according to the Israeli military numbers, 80% of the firing zone that were designated as a firing zone is not really used for military exercises. It is used by the settlers to build outposts and settlements, mostly in Jordan Valley and Masafariyata. And with the recent government, we see how settlers now in Masafariyata are really occupying new areas and building new outposts. So now they are allowing the settlers to build tents and farms even next to the communities where it was designated firing zone. I imagine that you must have been watching the Israeli protests that are going on in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and around the country, calling for protecting the Supreme Court, saying that we want to save Israeli democracy by protecting the independence of the Supreme Court. Obviously, your community has been put under threat of forced displacement by that very same Supreme Court. So what do you make of the Israeli protesters who are looking to save the Supreme Court? 
these people did not protest against when the Supreme Court decided to displace my community in Masafir Yatta or in Sheikh Jarrah or in Khan al-Ahmar. All of the occupation work in the West Bank is legitimized by this Supreme Court and we never saw these people like going to protest against the decisions that the Supreme Court deciding about our future and about our life. And a lot of them are the soldiers that they are like protecting the settlements or demolishing our homes and doing the work of the occupation in our communities. So literally this protest means to me nothing because they are only fighting for their democracy, democracy for themselves. I'm wondering whether you've noticed any changes with this new Israeli government, which includes Betzalel Smotrich, who, who is a minister in the government, who has a post within the defense ministry responsible for construction and building in the occupied West Bank. He founded an organization called Regavim, which is a settler organization that has been targeting Masafir Yatta for years. What does it mean that Smotrich is in the government, and have you noticed any changes on the ground since the new government? So he, he as you said, he founded Regavim here in the U.S. as a charity, taking donations from the Americans as well from the settlements, councils, and the Israeli government, I'm sure, to steal our land. And all these years that Regavim existed, the number of demolitions really increased. For example, Masafir Yatta from 2016 until today, over 200 20 home and property were smashed. And most of it was from Regavim campaigns. For example, in 2019, they led a legal case and also campaign against the water system that we built in Masafariata, which is a 25 kilometer of water pipe that provided water for the whole communities. Regavim were behind a decision from the court to make the Israeli army destroy this water pipe, and was destroyed. And just to clarify for listeners, Regavim is an organization that tracks what they call illegal Palestinian building in Area C, which is the area of the West Bank that's under control of the settlers and where Israeli settlements are located and it's under the full control of the Israeli army. And so Regavim basically documents and tracks Palestinians building there and... and it is technically illegal because Palestinians can't get permits from the army to build. And now he's the one in charge. He just said very clear that Khan al-Ahmar should be demolished and will be demolished, not just because it is illegal, according to them, but also because it's set in a strategic place to prevent the Arabs, as he called, to have their own state. When you're talking about Masafar Yata being declared a firing zone and these army exercises going on, what does that look like? For two months, they did this. They moved from a place to another, from a village to another. They set like explosions on the ground and they explode them. They moved to another community, running around with the tanks above the, the grass and between the houses. They block the road in front of the people. No one is allowed to move to go in the community or out from the community. Cars not allowed to, to move there. They also shot from the tanks. So, for example, last September, they were shooting from the tank and one of the shots hit a Palestinian home in Khalid al-Tabi'a community. And because the roofs are metal, the bullet stayed like stuck in the, in the roof of the home. 
So we called the army to come and to see if their training is causing like damages. And this is like very serious and a threat. And a family were sitting in the home when, when it was shot and it could at least injured or kill someone. They came, they looked at the hole, they said, oh, nothing happened. They left. So the next day, by chance, were the EU representatives coming to this community. So we cut the roof and we took out the bullet in front of the EU representative. And then we took a picture and we, we called the army again that this is from you. And they said it might be from our training. It was a bullet from a tank. Like to say it might or it's not us, it's a very clear lie because who would have a tank in that area except the Israeli army? So this is how it is. It's just like this military exercise is really just to terrifying the, the life. It's really to make the Palestinians move away by themselves so they can easily take the land for the settlers. It's been about a year since the Israeli Supreme Court ruling allowing the army to forcibly displace residents from Safar Yatta. Obviously, people are still living there under a lot of pressure, but, but they are still living there. What do you think needs to happen to allow Masafir Yatta to, to survive? Is there a chance that the international pressure and activism that seemingly has stopped Israel from being able to carry it out so far can prevent mass displacement from occurring in the future? Like, What, what do you think needs to be done to prevent Israel from doing this? For me personally, I think Israel should get sanctions. Bezalel Smotrich and Ben Gvir and the recent government is really putting the international community in a corner. Ben Gvir, in a video, called the EU and the Americans that you keep doing condemnations, but this is our land and we will continue doing this. And we just legitimize nine outposts. One of these outposts, it's, in, it's located in Masafir Yatta. The settlers like committing physical violence from this outpost, and it is in the firing zone, and they legitimizing it. So this is like putting a finger in the, in the eye and keep like doing this condemnations is not working anymore. So Israel should really face challenges more than just condemning this like apartheid system. They should put pressure, all the pressure that needed to stop this apartheid. We as Palestinians deserve to get our freedom and our power to decide about our future. Well, thank you so much, Basil, for joining us. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your life and what Masafir Yatta is facing. Thank you so much for listening. This was another episode of the Jewish Currents podcast on the nose. Please like us on podcast apps and share these episodes and others like it. And of course, go to jewishcurrents.org to subscribe and to keep up with all of our coverage. Thanks so much.